We grew up poor. Both my parents had trauma in their youth. My mom was younger than her five older brothers and sisters by about eight years. When she came along, her parents were not expecting her. She was a surprise. And at the time, her mother was experiencing a lot of health issues and the doctor had recommended that they abort her. And of course, they did not believe in that. Mom never really had the opportunity to um, bond with her mother um, because of the illness. And then her mother was killed in a car accident when my mom was 11. And so she just really had a different upbringing. She had a lot of trauma from all of that, that and she ended up suffering from depression the rest of her life because she never really addressed those issues. We've all experienced some trauma growing up. For some of us, it was rare, and for others, it was persistent. This episode will bring you inside the life of a youth worker who took her own trauma as a young person and turned it into a real passion for helping others. Her story is one of perseverance and strength. Let's meet Laura. People who choose youth work are truly amazing individuals. These are people who care so deeply for our young people and have a real passion for service. My name is Paul Munir. I'm the executive director of YIPA, and I'll interview some of these youth workers from around the globe, and we'll figure out just what makes them tick and drives their passion. Welcome to this edition of The Passionate Youth Worker. Hi, everybody. Today, we're joined by Laura Bradshaw from Missouri in the United States. Laura is a family advocate at Harmony House, where she provides trauma-informed care for the families and the young people in her community. Laura, thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. It's been really fun to get to know you a little bit as we've chatted and talked, and I've learned a little bit about your work. I'm excited to dive in and see just what drives your passion for youth work. So if you don't mind, let's back up and, and start with how did you get into youth work? What path did you take to all of a sudden now you're advocating for young people and families? Mine is a very twisty path. I didn't start off working with families and youth. I um, had a variety of different jobs. I've worked in a large um, regional credit office. Uh, and then I also worked in a factory. I was a machinist. And then I also um, worked in shipping and material handling. And then in 2008, during the housing crisis, I was laid off from my job and it was supposed to be a temporary layoff. And then it ended up being a lot longer than that. And I was able to qualify for a program to um, enable me to go back to school. And so I always meant to go to college and I did it until that point. At that point, I had a family. I had three kids. I was taking care of my elderly parents I went back to school, I got my associate degree, and then I got my bachelor's degree. And going to school and just really looking at all of those um, opportunities that were available, I was just drawn to the um, families, to child development. And so that's where my degree 
emphasis was, was with child development with the emphasis in families. I did an internship in working in a domestic violence shelter as a family advocate, and I loved it. And so that's kind of where my career kind of took off. So you were an adult learner, and Uh, I happen to know that you graduated with honors as well. What was it like being an adult learner? How did you struggle uh, balancing, uh, taking care of your personal life, your family, and your education at the same time? It was it was a struggle at times, but I felt it was important to be a good role model for my kids. My husband and I struggled and I didn't want that for my kids. And so I wanted to make sure that school and college is a priority for them. And so I wanted to make sure that I was a um, good example for them. Well, I would have to say that you are a good example because I know that that must be really difficult to do. I was fortunate enough to do my work uh, in, in education before I had a family, and uh, it was difficult just managing my own life. So kudos to you for keeping all those balls in the air at the same time while you juggled all that stuff. And and at that time, you realized child development was something you were really interested in. Why do you think you were drawn to child development, uh, Laura? I think I just really find it interesting to understand what makes people tick to really understand our life experiences, how that forms us and our decisions. It's just fascinating for me. And I, it is hopeful too. Yeah, it is hopeful when you think about positive development and youth work, because that is why we all enter this field is because we have a sense of hope and we think that we can make the world and young people's lives just a little better by doing what we do. What was your childhood like? What were your early years like, uh, your early development? We grew up poor. Both my parents had trauma in their youth. My mom was younger than her five older brothers and sisters by about eight years. When she came along, her parents were not expecting her. She was a surprise. And at the time, her mother was experiencing a lot of health issues and the doctor had recommended that they abort her. And Mm -hmm. of course they did not believe in that. And so her mother had, you know, they said she had heart problems at the time. It turned Mm -hmm. out to be gallbladder, but back in the forties, you know, they, they didn't know that. So it took Mm -hmm. a trip after my mom was born to Minnesota to the hospital to find out, um, that it was her gallbladder. And mm-hmm. so mom never really had the opportunity to bond with her mother um, mm-hmm. because of the illness. And then her mother was killed in a car accident when my mom was 11. And mm-hmm. so she just really had a different upbringing than um, her siblings had. And so she had a lot of trauma from all of that, that, And she ended up suffering from depression the rest of her life because she never really addressed those issues. My dad, he also, he lost a sibling when he was a teenager. And so there was a lot of trauma involved in all of that. And so there was two people that got together that had a lot of unresolved trauma from childhood. Mm -hmm. There is a time when um, I was 
in my youth that I begged my mom to leave my dad just because it was just, they just bickered all the time because of their, both of their traumas. Of course, mom didn't do that. She didn't believe in that. She, even though my dad didn't go with us, she always had us in church. And so that was our light growing up was our church. And then at one point, my dad did give his heart to the Lord. Um, he started attending church with us. That really helped to um, bring our family together um, and change. And so it's just that hope. We struggled, but we were always a family together. And um, there was always, we were there. There was times when we wanted, I wanted to give up. I just wanted to, let's just mm-hmm. give up. But, you know, we persevered. It's just um, that hope. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, That is uh, truly inspirational to hear that through all that, your family stuck together. You found something that was a common denominator, and it sounds like it was your church and religion that held you together. Do you think all those experiences are what drove you into helping people in domestic violence and young people in domestic violence? Absolutely. Even though we didn't experience the domestic violence portion of it, there was still the um, emotional component to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just helping people into understanding what the impact of that trauma is, is um, firsthand experience is just, it's just amazing. You are uh, full of perseverance and determination to make yourself and your environment for your family better. I, I, you know, it's amazing that you went back to school, you got a degree, now you're helping other people. What a terrific role model you are for people in your community, uh, for your family. And also, I have to believe for people you work with, they must see that perseverance in you. Do you think that's true? I think so. Perseverance and being flexible and willing to change. Just being a lifelong learner is really important. I may, you know, what I know now, I didn't know, you know, when I was younger. So you have to change, you have to adapt, you have to learn. And you that's how I live my life is just, um, just being a learner and listening. And I may not know it all now, but you know, I'm willing to learn. Where do you think that came from? I, I love the fact that you said lifelong learner because I think that's so critical to being an effective youth worker because you never get to a destination point in your skills at youth work. You're always just getting better at what you do. Where do you think that came from? I, I'm guessing, Laura, it sounds like maybe that was something that you didn't get directly from your family, but you inherited it somewhere. Right. My mom was the only one of her siblings that did not go to college. All of the rest of her siblings all went to college. And so she comes from a family heritage of learners. You know, trauma kept her from um, reaching her full potential. But um, I think I come from a heritage of learners. Yeah. And a heritage of people with a lot of hope. That's right. Because <laughs> you talked a lot about hope when we were getting to know each other, and you talked about hope just a few minutes ago. 
Where does that deep sense of hope come from for you? How do you keep that alive? For me, I've always been, from a little tiny kid, I've always been about a sense of fairness and a, and a sense of rightness. And so I can remember as a little six-year-old, you know, standing up to my, my dad, big six-four guy, you know, like, that's not fair, you know. And, and so I'm just always, that's where just that sense of fairness, that there's always a possibility. There's always, I'm just very optimistic and hopeful. And so I'm very different than my brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's very pessimistic and stuff, but I'm always, I have always been that way. And I think it just really helps you to stay positive and to persevere. Um, if, you know, when you have that sense of hope. Yeah. The other thing I'm getting from you, another adjective that is running through my mind is courageous and strong to be able to, you know, step up to your father like that when I got to believe it was a pretty stressful kind of, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but kind of a toxic environment at times. And yet you had the ability to just go for fairness, regardless of what your risk factors were or what your fear was. Where do you get that courageousness from? Is it just something was born in you or do you have to work on that? Do you have to be cognizant of that? I, you know, I have that innate sense, but also I think you have to work on those, those um, characteristics. Um, It's really easy to slide into the, oh, those, you know, things are terrible and stuff. And, but you know, it's sometimes it can be um, so much harder to stay positive. And so you get back to your spirituality and just really focus on that there is hope. So as long as there's life, there's hope. You can change. Change is incredibly hard, but it is possible if you have and want to do that. Yeah. And that's what youth workers do. They help inspire people to see that hope is possible. Hope is going to be, change is going to be difficult. But if you work hard on it, things can be better. Laura, we need to take a short break. But when we come back, I would like to talk to you about how all of these experiences that you've gone through impact you in your work with young people. So we'll be right back after this short break. No matter how you support our young people, the professional youth worker powered by YIPA has your training and learning needs covered. Visit training.yipa.org. That's training.yipa.org to see for yourself and then join the thousands of youth workers around the globe who learn from our easy to access exceptional trainings. From our blogs to our podcast, the professional youth worker is your go-to resource for tools to help you keep going, keep learning, and keep growing. Members enjoy free unlimited access to live online and on-demand trainings and a preferred discount pricing for a -a one-of-a-kind certificate course. Annual memberships are just $99 for individuals and only $250 for your entire organization. Visit training.yipa.org today to learn more. That's training.yipa.org. And we're back with Laura Bradshaw from Missouri. She is a family advocate at the Harmony House, where she advocates for young people and families in her community. Laura, before the break, you shared some uh, really courageous stories of uh, endurance and perseverance with us. How do you think that plays out in your youth work 
with young people today? I think it really gives me an understanding. I understand how hard change is. I understand how, as youth, a lot of things that happen is unfair to youth, but that it is possible for you to drive your own future. That fairness piece, and you see that with young people all the time. I got to believe that where you, it just isn't fair that right. they were thrown into this environment. Do you share your stories of unfairness or your hope for fairness with them? I do. I um, share little snippets. Uh, you know, I try to relate specifically to what they're going through. And, you know, some cases I have to say, I have no idea how you're feeling, but I'm here for you and I can understand. And so I think when you're able to relate back, that really helps to add that personal connection. Yeah. And so when you say I can relate, you're saying that from the bottom of your heart, that these aren't just words, you are truly uh, there feeling kind of their emotion and feeling some of the trauma that they're witnessing. Laura, that that is a wonderful asset to be able to bring to your work. But it also could be a liability because it is hard for you, I got to believe, to think about some of this stuff and be reminded of it on a pretty regular basis. So what do you do for self-care, Laura? I am a really creative person. And so um, I use that in my job, but I live that at home. And so I like to create things and to work with my hands. Quilting, um, I picked up macrame here recently. You know, just when I'm just making something or creating something beautiful. But then I also love to read. And so... I go in cycles where I read four or five books at a time. And so I really love to read those inspiring books um, and books that have happy endings. Yeah. So how does that keep you centered and keep you from experiencing more trauma vicariously through the stories of the people you work with? Uh, How did the, the making of things, the reading of things keep that from interfering with your work? I think just letting it go and just, um, I can't change everything. I can just offer hope and offer change. And, but being able to create something new and to, um, is important for me. Yeah, I could see that. And that's a, a great way to take your mind off of things and to focus on something that, Uh, will lead to uh, different thoughts and different experiences in your time away from work. When you're working with young people, how do you try to give them hope? That is a good question. (laughs) So (laughs) I just being able to relate to them. I really talk about them and what their capabilities are and really talk about their own, their self-esteem and um, things that they're capable of and what their hopes and dreams are. Sometimes it's, you know, if they say they hope to go um, play baseball or something. And so then I would help them to um, come up with, 
you know, ways that they might be able to accomplish that, help them with resources or, or things like that. So Mm -hmm. would you say you're a good listener? Do people like to come to you and share things with you? I, you know, we do a lot of um, activities and where we just offer that opportunity. Some people, they don't feel like, oh, I'm going to go seek someone out. But if you give people the opportunity Mm -hmm. to sit down and do something else, and then they find themselves sharing, opening up and stuff. And so I think that is kind of what I'm um, really good at is giving people the opportunity to share. I bet you are really good at that. I can tell just by getting to know you. And is that something through your early years? Did, did like say in high school, friends always, uh, were you the person everybody wanted to talk to when they wanted to share stuff, things like that? Well, you know, I, um, in high school, I really just was more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. And so I did not enjoy high school at all. Mm-hmm. And so, but I really was focused in my church family. And mm-hmm. so I had a lot of really good friends in my church family. We seem to, you know, share with each other. So, yeah. And that's where the connections came from then for you it was more right. in the church community versus the, the school setting. If you don't mind, right. what is it about school that you didn't like? And was it uh, the groups or just the whole experience in general? I just felt like I didn't fit in. We didn't have a lot of things growing up. And so I just got to a point where I just didn't want to be there. Um, I could have went to college right out of school, uh, but I chose not to. I was mm-hmm. accepted, but then ended up not choosing really? to. I was just burnt out. And I didn't feel like I had the support from my mom and dad to do that. And so out of school, I went and got a full-time job and that kind of led me down that path. That idea of not fitting in or just feeling like you don't belong. I got to believe a lot of the young people you encounter probably have very similar feelings about that. Right. Yes. And so I try to to, um, get kids to understand that you know, high school is just a temporary thing. Once you get out of school, you're in, cho- in charge of, you know, what you do and how you fit in. And, and all that petty stuff that happens in high school is not important anymore. Isn't that funny? I think we uh, put so much emphasis in our society about how important, like, our social interactions are at in high school. But I remember when I used to provide direct service, I used to talk to young people a lot about they're going to do so much better in the adult world because they have the skills and the capabilities to interact in a way that isn't so kind of like what high school is like. And it's, I think sometimes they're two different sets of skills. Right. I'm wondering, I asked a lot of my guests about self-disclosure and how much you talk to young people about your own experiences because we know to be a good youth worker, you have to bring yourself to to work. Right. Um, you are your best tool, so to speak. But it's always such a fine line being able to leverage what you have experienced to help propel that young person forward versus to knowing when, no, it's too much to disclose or I'm doing this for my own benefit versus the benefit of that young person. I'm wondering in your experience, Laura, 
What have you learned about self-disclosure and how much do you use it? I don't really get into a lot of my childhood, you know, issues or trauma. I just say, I understand or, you know, so I don't get into specifics or anything like that. And so I try to just, you know, relate to whatever they're experiencing. And if it's necessary, I would talk about it, but it usually isn't, you know. Yeah, usually isn't a factor that you have to deal with. We've talked a lot about hope, and you uh, certainly have hope at the center of who you are as a person. What kind of things about your work give you hope? That there's resources available. There's not always been these resources available to families and to youth, like when I was younger. Um, there, And so... Their studies now, I really love the ACES study and the mm -hmm. talking about that. Now, what do you do with that? And so now they're going in and, and um, studying resilience. What is resilience? And so that gives me a lot of hope, you know, for our future and generations. Yeah, the field has definitely come a long way, and we have learned so much and have so many options that young people can access now if they're available. Sadly, right. some young people don't have access to those things, right. but when they do, it does. it is hopeful. What kind of things give you a little trepidation about being a youth worker? As much resources that are available and as, as uh, far as we've come in our understanding there's still um, a huge need and, you know, people have to want to change. I think change is a big component. How you're raised, that is familiar. That is um, what's easy. And so when you choose something different, that takes work. Yeah, for sure. Laura, we're getting to the end of our time together but I have a question that I ask every guest that comes on The Passionate Youth Worker. What words of inspiration or wisdom would you like to share with our listeners? I think I would just like to share that, you know, life is hope and that there's always the ability, you have the ability to change if you choose. Hopefulness is, is my word. Mm -hmm. And that's a word that's been woven throughout our whole talk today. So it really is at the core of who you are. Yeah. Laura, thank you for uh, your perseverance and making big changes in your life and taking your future into your own hands and making it better for the young people in your community. I don't know if you realize just how valuable that is. And I, for one, am really grateful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful to learn about you and thank you for sharing your experiences and thank you to all the youth workers out there who are giving hope to our young people and inspiring them to be resilient and to take on change and find a better way in their world where they can develop their unique skills and talents. You all do such wonderful work. We're grateful to know you all. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to it wherever you found us. If you have feedback, whether it's positive or negative for me or about the podcast or me as a host, I'd love to hear about it. You can send me an email at paul at yippa.org. That's P-A-U-L at Y-I-P-A dot org. Let me know your thoughts. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Passionate Youth Worker. I'm your host, Paul Munir. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to share your passion for youth work, we'd love to spotlight you as a guest. Just visit us at training.yipa.org. That's training.yipa.org. And click on the podcast tab. This podcast is made possible in part due to the generous contribution from M Health Fairview. I'm your host, Paul Munir. Thanks for listening to The Passionate Youth Worker.